got a Bible, uh, go ahead and turn to that. And so um, we know the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Uh, Nikki, can I ask you to scream? Can I ask you to yell? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yell. Good. Natasha, can I ask you just to yell? Yeah, I want you to yell. So this is what the book of Proverbs does. So the book of Proverbs is described as this beautiful woman who is standing on the corner yelling for you and me to pay attention to her. She wants us to know that we need wisdom. And so that's what the book of Proverbs does. And so if you don't pay attention to this woman who's screaming and yelling, and the, the scriptures say crying out, you're like the other side of that, which the book of Proverbs will call you a fool if you don't pay attention to this, these wise words. Uh, this particular chapter that we are looking at uh, was written by um, Solomon, who I believe was the third king of Israel. Um, may have been fourth, uh, just because I think he had to overthrow somebody who was kind of claiming it at the time. Um, and he was actually writing this particular proverb uh, to his son. So I'm going to read 1 through 12, but we're going to put our focuses on uh, 5 and 6. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 reads, uh, My son, do not regret my teaching, but have your heart comply with my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and a good reputation in the sight of God and man. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Oh, no, did I skip something? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I skipped the verse I'm preaching. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from, your, from the first of all your produce. Then your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his rebuke. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. Yeah. So hopefully that gave uh, Solomon's son some comfort when he got his butt whipped, right? 
that a father disciplines those he delights in. Um, and so let's look at that first word, uh, trust. That's, that's one of those words in which has a lot of weight to it, right? So I, I looked up the word. It says to trust, to trust in means to believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. The Hebrew word for trust means to put your entire weight on something. So um, years ago, I had uh, taught this at Central Union Missions, and I, I pulled out a chair, and I stood up in it to show that, you know, hey, I'm trusting in the weight of this chair. And this is how we should do the Lord. We should place our trust in the Lord. So trust in the Lord essentially means to trust in his word. Uh, since the most reliable way we know who the Lord is, is through his word. So Genesis 126, we're going to turn there for a second. Right in the beginning, first chapter. So, who, who is this Lord that we're trusting in? Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So we see right there where this word us is used to describe the creator. And so uh, if, if you read throughout the scriptures in, in Genesis chapter one, you'll see the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. You'll see it refer to God. And then you see it right here is referring to us. And in that us, I would say, the second person of the Trinity would be the Lord, the Lord God. Uh, and the reason why I would say that is because that's, this is what the scriptures actually teach. Uh, turn to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Very, very uh, popular verses if you're familiar with the scripture. Um, It's a new Bible, so the pages are really sticking. All right, um, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. And so... Right there, it's talking about the word and how this word, and if you're looking at your Bible, it's probably capitalized as saying this word was in the beginning uh, with God and he was God. And now I, wa I wanna say, look at verse 14. Go down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we, and we saw his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know 
that to be Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, he's that word that was in the beginning that created everything, that nothing was created without him, that us that we've seen in Genesis 1.26, and he's the second person in the Trinity, and he is the one that Christians often refer to as Lord. Lord. So that's what we're talking about, trust in the Lord, right? So he's the one who Christians refer to as Lord. Um, turn back to Genesis. I love Genesis. One of my favorite books. Genesis one fifteen. One fifteen. All right. Um, all right. So um, I'll read that. Uh, and they. No, uh, it's not 115. Uh, 3.15. Sorry about that. 3.15. Okay. And uh, in these verses, just to give you a little context, uh, Adam and Eve, the first people on earth, they have sinned against God. And so... Uh, basically, God told them not to eat from this particular tree, and they did it anyway. And so they disobeyed God. So that's what sin is. We know sin to mean disobedience to the Lord. And so because they disobeyed the Lord, uh, they were punished uh, for their sins. Uh, and in that, God basically, he, he went over to the man told him what was going to happen. The woman told her what was going to happen. And the serpent, who actually was Satan, who deceived them, he told him what was going to happen. And so this is one of the promises that he made for us, and he made against Satan, right? He says, and I will make enemies of you and the woman and of your offspring and her descendant. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on his heel. So here, what God is promising, that his son would crush the serpent's head, that the serpent would bruise his heel, but his heel would crush the head of the serpent. And so when we say we trust in the Lord, and we say we trust in the Lord and his word, these are the promises or some of the promises that we're trusting in that the Lord will one day crush the serpent's head. Um, and, and so this will be the same promise that actually saves us. This is the same promise that the Old Testament saints looked for for their salvation. A lot of people will say, well, wasn't the Old Testament, weren't they saved by works, by keeping the Ten Commandments? No, they were actually saved by trusting in the Lord and trusting in his promises. So how do I know that? It's because the word of God tells us that. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And so I wanted to add Hebrews in this study because I know that's the book the women are going over. And so, yeah, rich, rich book, rich book, Hebrews chapter 11.
And so basically, Hebrews is all about faith. And, and so that word faith, it means to believe, to trust. And so we're talking about trusting in the Lord. And so, um, so many sentences in this chapter, you'll see by faith, all these great men of God did this and that and this and that and this and that. And I want you to focus in on verse 32. That's where I'm going to pick up. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And, and he's continuing to talk about the people who trusted God by faith. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of, of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And so you see all these people who did great things by trusting in the Lord. But also, people experience some hard things. But yet and still, the Bible says they trusted in the Lord. So, so look at the rest of that. Others were tortured, not accepted, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and flogging and further chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, people of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts on mountains and sheltering in caves and holes in the ground. And so right there, we, we see that uh, Christianity is not this kind of make-believe fantasy world in which everything goes your way. But the Bible is saying that these people, even under the afflictions that they suffered, still trusted in who? The Lord. And how do we know that? Read verse 39. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. And so that better thing that they had not experienced yet was this promise, the fulfillment of that promise that they were given back in the garden, that this person, this seed of the woman, would come and crush the serpent's head. And so... Others were promised the same promise. Uh, let's turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Now, I, I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but I want to encourage all of you, if you get a chance in, in your devotion today or this week, take a look at Isaiah 53, right? Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of it. I'll start at verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So that's Isaiah talking. And he's going to tell us about somebody. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot 
and like a root out of dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we would look at him, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. He was despised and abandoned by men, and a great man, a, gr a man of great pain and familiar with sickness, and like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we had no regard for him. And so right there, it's talking about this unattractive man, which if you ever look at the pictures of Jesus, you know, that's not exactly what I see, right? Or even in the plays and things of that nature. But the Bible describes him as this unattractive man who was going to come on the scene and that he would be despised and afflicted and he would go through great things. Um, uh, Look at verse 7. Um, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. Now, this particular chapter in Scripture is called prophecy. So it's speaking prophetically about things that haven't happened yet. And so this is the promise that Hebrews chapter 11 was talking about those saints were putting their hope in, the ones who received great things and the ones that also experienced and received affliction, that all of them were trusting in that Jesus who was promised in Genesis chapter 3, this Jesus that's talked about in Isaiah 53, the Jesus that we're about to talk about in Luke 23. So we we going we going to park our car here uh, in Luke twenty three, and so we still have in mind the scripture that I'm talking about, which is Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so I'm telling you to trust in the Lord. The scripture is telling you to trust in the Lord with everything that's in you. Trust in the Lord with everything that's in you. So Luke 23. And so right here, I'm going to show you an example of someone who trusted in the Lord with everything that was in him. So let me paint the picture for you because we're not going to read the whole chapter. Um, so pretty much Jesus lived the perfect sinless life that none of us could. But yet he was hated. He was despised. And now we have him being nailed to a Roman cross. And so, no, it wasn't the Romans who actually turned him over. It actually was his own people. Jesus was Jewish. And so it was the Jews who turned him over to be crucified. Uh, they turned him over to a guy named Pilate, who actually had the power to free Jesus, but didn't. You know, uh, I think he, you know, he washed his hands of the situation, almost like, hey, I'm not in it. It's on y'all, y'all killing Jesus. I'm not in it. But he had the power to release him and didn't do it. So he was guilty. The Jews, they were guilty. And we stand guilty. We are guilty. 
all of us. And so verse 23, verse 39 is what we're going to pick up at. So he's on the cross, and on the right is a thief and a criminal, and on the left is a thief and a criminal. And so two thugs. So Jesus is on the hill with two thugs nailed to the cross, dying like a common criminal. One of the criminals who were hanged there were hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So basically he's saying, are you not the one that was prophesied about in Genesis? Are you not the one that Isaiah was talking about? If that's you, save us. But the other responded and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so right there we see Jesus hanging on the cross with two criminals, and you got one who's looking at him circumstances. And he's looking at God. He's looking at the Lord, the one who was prophesied about, saying, basically, if you are who you say you are, get me out of this predicament. And so a lot of us, we do the same thing when we get in situations. We're saying, God, if you're real, get us out of this predicament. But the other thief, he does with what all of us should do. He acknowledges that, hey, <laughs> I'm in this position because I put myself in this position. I'm in this position because I deserve this. So he recognizes himself, he recognizes his plight, and he recognizes in a, humili- uh, a, a humble way that I'm supposed to be here. This is what I deserve. This is what I've earned. And so there's a scripture that says, for the wages of sin is death, right? So we have earned the same thing that this thief is getting. We deserve to die for our sins. But you might be sitting here saying, wait, I haven't done nothing that bad. You know, I haven't done anything that would uh, say I broke the law. You may have done something that broke the law, right? But you might be sitting here saying, nah, that ain't me. But the Bible says that if you have ever broken one of the Ten Commandments, that you're guilty of breaking them all. And that's because you're sinning against the one who wrote them, right? You are sinning against the God who created the Ten Commandments. And he has said that his penalty is death. And so... Here you have, again, this other thief recognizing his plight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So you see this thief on the cross also acknowledges who Jesus is. He understands who Jesus is. He says to him, 
and we indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes, but this man has done nothing. Now, I, I don't know how he got here on the cross uh, knowing that Jesus done nothing. Maybe he was familiar with his life. Maybe he was part of uh, some of the people who followed Jesus, but whatever, he recognizes that Jesus has done nothing wrong. And so let me park here for a second. A lot of times in Christianity, we have what we call easy believism, right? Where, you know, a person will come before the church and they'll hear a word and they're moved emotionally and they'll make this walk down the aisle or this confession and we'll say, you know, this person is saved, right? Now, we don't practice that here, but still I want to address it because it's a common practice that goes on uh, everywhere, you know, in a lot of churches. And so one of the flawed things with this practice is the person may not get a chance to understand exactly who he is before God and, more importantly, who Jesus is. And so that's why we want to make it a practice if we get the opportunity to be able to sit down with somebody, open the scriptures like we're doing today, and actually show them who Jesus is and show them who the Bible says that they are without Christ, right? Now, of course, this thief is in a, a precarious predicament. Here he is on the cross, and somehow, like I said, he's recognizing his, his, his plight, He's recognizing his Savior. And so he says to Jesus, and he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come to your kingdom. Now notice he says, your kingdom. He's recognizing that this kingdom that he wants to go to belongs to who? Jesus. That makes Jesus the king. So again, <laughs> In this scripture, he's recognizing that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus can save him. And notice what Jesus says, which is beautiful words and the same words that we want to one day hear Jesus say. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say tomorrow. He didn't say you know, in the resurrection, but he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is letting him know that, yes, I am the one that you should be putting your trust in. So I'm going to close there. The Bible says to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not to our own understanding, even though you may be going through things, even though situations may look bleak. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Jesus, and he is the one who will make your path straight. Pray my strength in the Lord.